0: Hey Amazon Selling Enthusiast, it's Eric here. And if you're tired of the inventory management struggle, I've got a game changer for you. InventoryLab.com InventoryLab simplifies e-commerce, inventory management integrates seamlessly with Amazon and even syncs effortlessly with QuickBooks for hassle-free accounting. Go to MilwaukeeMafia slash IL now because your success deserves efficient inventory management. Happy Selling!
1: You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your weekly podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.
0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Milwaukee Mafia podcast mini episode. Uh, I'm Eric Walter Kent.
1: I'm Gavin Schmidt.
0: And for our third mini episode, we're going to launch into the question of when the Milwaukee Mafia was at its peak. Were there other ethnic groups that had an influence on organized crime, or was it strictly Italian?
1: Well, first, I'm going to assume that they mean in Milwaukee. So, I mean, other ethnic groups in organized crime, I mean, in other cities, I mean, yeah, clearly um, there were Jewish organized crime groups, there were black organized crime groups, Puerto Rican organized crime groups, Irish organized crime groups, um... So I'm assuming that they, they mean specifically in Milwaukee. And and I guess that really depends uh, how we want to answer the question. Were there actually rival gangs, rival groups? And no, I mean, there weren't. There was not an Irish mob in Milwaukee or a Jewish mob or any other mob um, in Milwaukee. But there were other people of other ethnicities. I mean, as we've explained um you can't actually become a member of the mafia unless you're italian i mean that's just there's no way around it but they had any number of people who worked with them who happened to be of various backgrounds uh, again polish is one that came up often um there was a man named frank uh, stelow or stello i'm not exactly sure as usual how, <laughs> how how you pronounce it but he was a he was a guy who had a polish background i mean in in you know, really, these guys at this point, they're all American. I mean, calling anybody Polish or Italian or anything is kind of insulting at this point because <laughs> they're all, because they're all born in, in the United States. But, uh, you know, so they, they had him and he was like a, a big muscle man. He would handle some of the rough stuff for the mob. So, um, they had that. Um, there were a number of people of Jewish background who work in gambling, which is kind of a stereotype. Because a lot of like the people in the Jewish community were known to be like good accountants. Cause you know, when you, when you want a good accountant or a good attorney, you hire Jewish accountants <laughs> and attorneys. It's a stereotype. It's probably not okay, but that was a general belief. And the same was true in, in gambling. I mean, you'd say, well, I want a guy who's good with numbers. So, yeah. you know, you could hire the Jewish guy.
0: So, uh, so. Just to clarify, with this, when yeah. when they went out and they started working with these people, how did that kind of what did that look like? Were they more or less just employees of the mafia rather than mm-hmm. than like a, an actual mafia member?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you you can't be a mafia member like by definition, but you still kind of fall under the same structure, and you definitely see this more in the later years and. I would say the Milwaukee Mafia's peak, it's probably the 1970s. That's what I would say is is when they were at their height. And it, yeah, at that point, like to be an actual member, you had to be Italian, but it was so business-oriented. It really was.
0: So would you say that to be a member and to be one of these employees was more or less the same thing? I think so. It's just that they would call you an employee if you were – I don't, even not know if they, Italian. Yeah, I don't even know if
1: they have a name for it. But but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny because there's guys who would be shown more respect who were not members. There were guys who were members who weren't necessarily respected as much, which is completely contrary to the way it's supposed to be. But that's kind of how it worked. So yeah, you'd have these these gamblers uh, in the Jewish community, which that really that started earlier on, like in the 1940s, there was already a bunch of Jewish gamblers who kind of associated with mob guys and it got integrated in later on uh so you have that um we have as we mentioned in the in the top hoodlum episode i mean the the fence was of jewish background you know so he's not italian uh you got other people um chicago was really good about that chicago had everybody you know they had I think I mentioned this in passing one other time. They had a Japanese guy working for them, which I don't think any other mob group has that. Like, the, I'm pretty sure Chicago is alone on that one. But but Milwaukee would would do that. They'd they'd mix in some people from any background really. A lot of guys who I don't even know. You know that the newspaper didn't feel the need to say their background. They were just Wisconsin guys. You know, mm-hmm. they, not everybody is an ethnicity. So a lot of just Wisconsin guys. They'd they'd get who would be a member of a crew. They might have, like, a mob guy heading up the crew, but they'd hire a couple guys who didn't mind breaking into a building or hijacking a truck or, you know, whatever you had to do. You know, if somebody was willing to do the work, they'd hire them. A big thing in the 1970s, so again, when the mafia's at its peak, I'm saying is the 1970s. And the reason I, I say 1970s is because, again, these are the Vegas years. And the Vegas years are... You know, I don't think the mob has as many members as it did in its earlier years, but it's bringing in big cash. So it's definitely a big, big deal. But also in the 1970s, this was the time when there was a big rise of gangs in what they called the inner core, which is, you know, or the inner city, but they called it the inner core uh, of Milwaukee or sometimes – They wanted to be nicer about it. They called Bronzeville, which, you know, I'm not sure what the polite way of saying this is, but it's kind of like the the African-American slummy part of Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has been for decades. I mean, the same area that you would identify that way today was then as well. And gangs would start up there. They never reached the level of organization that the Italians did, but they did get a number of gangs. And some of them would – work with the Italians because the Italians didn't want to touch certain things, um, specifically drugs and prostitution. Drugs completely frowned upon. I mean, throughout the mob's history, this was different in other cities, but in Milwaukee from the early days up to about the 1980s, they, they had nothing to do with drugs. The 1980s changed that, but up until that point, they didn't. But they were okay if you know maybe fronting the money to some other guy who wanted to, to get in the business. No business that's that's fine um and prostitution the same thing we saw in the earlier years some of the italians were mixed up in it but as time went on they kind of distanced themselves because it's it's seen as a dirty thing mm-hmm. i mean gambling is clean nobody frowns on gambling you know well i should say nobody but generally speaking, nobody thinks gambling is that bad right um
0: it definitely does not have the stigma that like prostitution right
1: does. right. And so they would get there was one guy in particular whose name was Leroy Bell, and Leroy would he had a bar um, called the Tender Trap and uh, on Center Street. and so he would he would run his I guess you know, his pimping business I, for lack of a better word, out of there but he was working with the mob like he'd he'd pay a percentage up to the mob now what he got out of that for working with the mob i have no idea but but he must have got something or thought he was getting something out of it because he'd he'd pay off for having that business there so so there was that so i mean they worked with any number of people of different backgrounds that that really didn't matter i don't think to them You couldn't become the boss. I mean, the boss was always going to be an Italian guy, but I really don't think they cared. I mean, if you were making money and you were willing to pay, I don't think they cared what you were.
0: Now, you kind of alluded in previous episodes about how Al Capone was a big part of... One of his big success points was the fact that he was willing to work with anybody. Yes. Do you think that that... One of the driving forces, because I'm up to this point, we're in it. We're in our normal episodes. We're talking up in like what the 30s, maybe. Have we gotten to the 40s? Not even to the 40s. Okay. So we're still in the 30s. At this point, it seems like it's pretty Italian oriented. Yeah. So do you think that Capone coming in, having so much success in Chicago and working with everybody turned Milwaukee's eye? to that and said well we should be doing this too or do you think it's possible or do you just think it's kind of the period we're in right now the Italian community in Milwaukee is still really tight niched and really close and hasn't really grown out to be to become like you said truly truly American you know what I mean like where they're blended in with everybody like I don't know I'm German you might be Dutch but I don't see that you as that, and you, I'm sure you don't see me as right, that. Right, you know what I right. mean? So, so it, do you have any f- opinion on that? I mean, I I don't
1: know. I mean, it's certainly possible that the success that Capone had um, influenced Milwaukee or other groups. Uh, I I guess it'd be hard to say that it didn't. I mean, definitely, when you see somebody get that big, you're going to look up to him for one reason or another. and
0: look at what he's doing and say, well, we we could be doing that too. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, it's hard to say. I mean, the big thing in Milwaukee is really just you don't have many people to draw from. You've got this one neighborhood, you know. Mm -hmm. You don't have a million people, so – what's going to happen is eventually you're going to start relying on other people or it's just going to peter out i mean that's that's just sort of the reality of the situation
0: yeah and i would assume by like you're talking Milwaukee's peak is in the 70s yeah definitely by ca- the 70s that community is probably gone at that point in time yeah it's not is. really an italian community no, per se anymore no
1: it's not because yeah by the 1970s so originally, for people who have been listening for a while, they know, it started out in the Third Ward. By the 1970s, that was pretty much non-existent. Um, they had been kind of pushed out one way or another. One, because they moved to better neighborhoods, because the Third Ward was not the nicest place. So as they you know, assimilated, they could move into a nicer neighborhood. But two, when the freeway system came through in the 1960s, it destroyed a lot of that. Yeah, that- so... Yeah, there wasn't really, like, it wasn't like everybody who was Italian lived in the same neighborhood anymore. That, and by the 70s, half, if not three-quarters of the Italian community was born in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I mean, they might identify as Italian. They might be able to speak Italian because their parents do. But, I mean, they're, again, they're American.
0: Yeah, but as soon as you're born in this country, you see other people born in the same country as you is kind of the same thing as you whereas when you're born in italy and you come here you might see yourself as slightly different than an irish person that moved here right right so yeah i'm gonna guess it's probably a combination of it all you know because because obviously an italian in the 70s is gonna see Mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be as weird for them to work with a no. say, Jewish person. No, not at
1: like all. Not because. at all. I mean, it's – they still, as we said a couple episodes ago, I mean, there's a strong culture. And, I mean, even today, they got the, um, the Italian Cultural Center, you know, where they still have regular meetings and things like that. And the Italians care more about their heritage than any other group. I mean, truly – I don't know of a German heritage center, despite the fact that most of Milwaukee was German, you know, um, or a Dutch heritage center or any other heritage center. I mean, I mean, around here where we live, I mean, we got little shit. So, So we got the Dutch thing going on there. But but generally, I mean, most people, they become American or they become mutts, you know, as we say. But yeah, the Italian people even if you're just like a quarter Italian, like you're really proud of that mm-hmm. Italian, which you know, good on them. Yeah. So, it's the culture is very strong.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: but yeah, but you're still American, so it's yeah, not I, like you're only going to talk to other people who were raised Italian.
0: Do you have any opinion on why none of these other groups ever kind of caught fire in Milwaukee like an Irish mob or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Do you just feel like was that just was there not enough of an Irish community was I mean was just Milwaukee only big enough for one mob, I guess. Do you have I mean, I, th-
1: I think it comes down to two things. One is culture, which you know, I, I keep kind of mentioning the Italian culture like they're much more they're tighter. The community is tighter than a lot of other communities are, which really helps create groups which is also indirectly kind of why groups work like now when we see large gangs in the black or puerto rican communities i mean part of the reason that is isn't because they're more likely to commit crimes like we should always be clear about this there's there's nothing about you know your ethnicity that makes you commit a crime but when you're raised in a community where you're not part of the outside community you have to rely on the people in Mm -hmm. your neighborhood, you form these bonds, you know? So it's not like in the black or Puerto Rican community, it may not be family like it is with the Italians, but it's the same sort of thing where you're going to work with somebody of your own background because the outside community doesn't really want you around. I mean, I'm sorry to say, but in many places, that's the case.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so there's that. Now with the Irish, I think it's, It's culture and it's timing. I mean, the culture, it didn't, they don't have that family thing to that same degree, but it's also timing because the Irish came over before the Italians did and settled in America. And in some cities, an Irish mob formed Um, in New York, it did. And Chicago, a little bit um, Boston more than anywhere else, but not in Milwaukee that I'm aware of, and I think it's just kind of it's just kind of the way it timed out is you can come over and you can be hungry, starving, willing to do anything to make a few bucks, but there has to be that opportunity there. And I'm thinking there just wasn't at the time that they came over to Milwaukee, whatever it was that you know the Italians came into I mean one big thing, of course, is prohibition that yeah, if prohibition had timed out differently, the mob might have never exploded the way that it did, and but the the Irish didn't have that. By the time prohibition came around, I mean the Irish were totally assimilated already. They they were they Americanized fairly quickly.
0: Yeah, and that's that's very an interesting point there because had prohibition not happened, like yes, we we spent quite a bit of time going through periods before prohibition with yeah, the mafia, yeah, but that mafia might have just been lost, yeah, in you know. In history, because kind of prohibition really pumped them up and showed yeah. us, like, oh, this is a real thing, so that ev- people see that what they were doing before then. But it, you know, there might have been like a small faction of an Irish mob at one point in time, but it just kind of died and fizzled out because there was nothing for them. Right. To yeah. Really I do. have,
1: I have no evidence. I could not name for you a single Irish gangster in Milwaukee history, not mm-hmm. one. But yeah, I mean, as far as the Italian mafia goes, like, I think it would have existed before and after prohibition, even if there wasn't a prohibition. But, I mean, that was the key for a lot of these communities. It was like, here's something we know how to do. We've got the networking because we've got cousins all over the country that, you know, again, with this culture that we can call up a cousin and be like, hey, you making some of that wine? All right. You know, Mm -hmm. they can work it out. And it just, it timed out perfect for that this to be like a moneymaker, especially with the fact that a lot of communities, Wisconsin especially, but really everywhere, it was illegal, but it was something that everybody wanted too. Yeah. So like, it was just perfect timing for a group that was still getting its footing to have a skill that they knew how to do and
0: could make a and lot could, of money. And could do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really interesting. And, yeah, and had that period of time not happened, we might not be sitting here right now talking Uh about it because there just wouldn't be enough of a story. Because think about it, if the – do you think if Prohibition never happened and let's just say that the mafia fizzled out and maybe died in the 50s but and never even reached the size that they did prior to that, you know, like with Prohibition – you probably wouldn't have never even started researching it because it would sure. have been such a small blip in history that yeah, that yeah it wouldn't there wouldn't be anything there to tell we True. would have a we would have an episode with or a podcast with ten episodes and then it would be <laughs> over because yeah well the like mafia I say, ended. yeah I, <laughs> know. Mean, I I
1: think it would have existed one way or another but yeah definitely not not on that level I mean the most obvious example as usual I mean Al Capone Al Capone. Is prohibition? I mm. mean, that's that's the Capone story. If he didn't have prohibition, who would he be? Yeah.
0: What would he have done? It, that's and that's a really interesting yeah. thing to think about. Like, could he have found another niche to get into that would have made? Yeah. probably never made him as big as he is. No,
1: I mean, he started. I mean, he was a gangster before prohibition, and he was m- mixed up in some shady stuff. But he would have never been. A national famous figure.
0: Wouldn't be a name that everybody would know, basically. You could probably find them in history books, but probably just as a little. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. Do you got anything else to talk about with this one? No. I mean, I guess I just, again, to be clear, like,
1: ethnicity, it's a tricky thing. Like, we use it as a shorthand. But it's worked as a way into it where this is like anybody who does mob research uses this, where they'll say Italian, Sicilian, Jewish, Irish, whatever. And on the one hand, you know, for us who know what we're talking about, like it's a good shorthand because we know what we mean. But it's kind of bad, too, because anybody who isn't like in that group, it's really dangerous because it opens it up where it sounds like you're saying something you know, about like a group. And it's so dangerously close to being like a racist thing to say, and which is it's not, I by no means, which is why I always have to add in, keep in mind the majority <laughs> of people aren't criminals. Being a certain background doesn't make you a criminal, you know. So it's unfortunately that's become the shorthand, is referring to people by these groups. And unfortunately also that's how they do divide themselves up into gangs. Like that's – why the shorthand exists. Um, But I just, before we wrapped up, I wanted to be clear about that, that, you know, anytime I might say the Sicilians, I don't mean like everybody (laughs) who's a Sicilian. Um, So.
0: You mean the Sicilians that joined the mafia. (laughs) Right,
1: right. So it's, I always feel weird about it because I don't want somebody to misinterpret that, but that's unfortunately become the shorthand that we all use, so.
0: All right, well. I think that one wraps this one up. Um, this was mini-series three. Yeah. So we got one more to go after this, and then we'll be back with regular episodes. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Gavin, hit them with some contact info.
1: Sure. If you want to go to com, you'll find some things there. If you want to email me, you can try MilwaukeeMafia at gmail.com. Or if you're a Facebook person, you can go to Facebook.com slash Milwaukeemafia. Um, the way Facebook works, sometimes I don't always see those uh, messages right away. It tends to bury business messages. I don't know why, but I do find them eventually. So uh, feel free to reach out that way.
0: All right, everybody, and thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back next week with our final miniseries episode. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us
1: next week for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.